Hello, my name is Amy. Um, I'm gonna be reflecting on the readings today. This might be a bit of an unpopular opinion, but I'm not a big fan of foot washing as a practice in church. I would like to say as a disclaimer that I did not bully Lori into not doing foot washing today. It was not something that was planned, just in case there's any, just to clear that up. And I did check with her to make sure that, you know, I wasn't gonna say this right before we did foot washing. Um, part of it is just not a practice I grew up with. Um, my childhood church did foot washing once a year as part of a holy, part of Holy Thursday service. And it was generally more of a reenactment, reenactment than a communal practice. The pastor would remove his outmost layer, outmost layer of his vestments and wash the feet of 12 parishioners. I was grown before I attended a church where the, as I have done so much, so must you do bit was taken quite so literally. And I admit, part of the issue for me, I don't like anyone touching my feet. Um, I don't like foot washing for the same reason I don't like getting pedicures. I'm very ticklish. And it's stressful for me to let someone touch my feet and to remember that I am not supposed to kick them. <laughs> but the, the main issue though for me, I think, is that in our culture, able-bodied adults rarely experience someone washing their feet. Um, I can even, couldn't even think of a lot of cases where we care for, some, care for one another's bodies when we're, when we're, able, when we're able to care for our own bodies. Uh, maybe I can think of some like spa or salon services, um, but those are the sort of things that you know, can be seen as more of a privilege for the wealthy or something that could be considered extravagance or something that could be considered just a necessary errand. You know, it's not something that we, we don't really have a parallel that I could think of. Maybe one of y'all can do, I'd, but I couldn't. Um, you know, and moreover, in our culture, our feet are especially hidden away. Um, you know, you hear about, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but people joking before foot washing services that, you know, they have to make sure their feet don't stink or they need to get, go get a pedicure so people don't get scared by their ugly feet or, you know, these sorts of things. Maybe we keep different company, I don't know, but I've heard these things. Um, so I've noticed that um, so many of the emotions that we talk about around foot washing, um, it's things like embarrassment of how our feet look or smell, um, discomfort at having our feet touched, um, or even positive feelings of being pampered or cared for. Um, those things probably would not have been experienced by the disciples. Um, their feet weren't hidden away, um, and it sounds like, based on the text, that having a servant wash the, wash the guest's feet at a dinner party um, would have been pretty typical. Um, a practical necessity um, likely performed by a servant that the guests would not have taken much notice of. When we do foot washing in a modern day church service, we experience emotions around the oddity of having our feet washed or washing another person's feet. Um, but in Jesus's day, it was just more of a mundane experience. The unusual part was that a the came in a leader doing the servant's work and that leaders command that every person follow his example and do the work of a servant. Now, regardless of what we feel like feel about foot washing in practice, it's pretty clear that Jesus was setting an example that went beyond who is responsible for washing guests' feet at a dinner party. Jesus's action as leader and teacher washing his followers' feet tore down the division between those who serve and those who are served by others. 
No person is so important that they should not be expected to attend to the needs of others. Every person matters and can expect to have their needs met. And there is no one at this party who is beneath notice, there only to serve and never to be served. Jesus explains to his disciples the reason for his action. He says, so if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you should do what I have done. Because Jesus is their teacher and Lord, and servants are not greater than their master, no one who claims to follow Jesus can say it is beneath their dignity to do lowly work in service of a neighbor. In the story, we also see that Jesus, we also see that the disciples are expected to accept the service of their master. And this isn't a minor point of the story. Uh, when Peter tries to prevent Jesus washing his feet, Jesus says, unless I wash your feet, you have no share with me. It seems that Jesus didn't mean to just, you know, wash a few people's feet, like, symbolically, um, so he would be seen washing other people's feet. It seems important to him that every person present receive this act of service from him. Now, the text doesn't give us any insight into what Peter was thinking when he said that Jesus would not wash his feet. Was he trying to show that he was more respectful and devoted to Jesus than his friends by refusing to allow Jesus to serve him, even as Jesus offered? Did he suddenly feel uncomfortable with needing another person to wash his feet, something he might not have considered if a lowly servant was the one doing the washing? Or maybe he was embarrassed by his feet, you know, even though his feet weren't hidden by shoes, they were probably hard and calloused from years of working on his boat, working on his fishing boat barefoot. And the idea of his great teacher touching his, touching his feet might have just been too much for him. But whatever lay behind Peter's reservations, Jesus was adamant. He was their leader, and he was choosing to serve them. Though refusing to allow Jesus serve him, to serve him might have seemed like an act of respect, Jesus suggests that it showed a failure to understand and embrace the way that Jesus was showing them. The call to live as a community where each person, no matter how lowly, can expect to have their needs met, and each person, no matter how great, would work to make sure that each person had everything they need. Along the same lines, the Philippians passage we read today instructs, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interests of others. I suspect that to us, this teaching might sound a little bit like a you know, pretty basic foundational principle, what it means to follow Jesus. But it's a difficult teaching. When you, when you take um, you know, our animal instincts to work for our own survival, um, the independence and self-sufficiency that our culture so values, all these things make this teaching pretty counterintuitive. It can also be a dangerous idea, particularly when it ex exists alongside hierarchies and power imbalances. You don't have to look hard for examples when, in the name of humility and putting others before oneself, people have been encouraged to remain in abusive family structures or to offer unquestioning support to unjust leaders and institutions. 
this principle of putting others' interests before one's own is meant to exist in a community where every person is on board. If the whole community commits to putting the interests of others before, before their own, then every member of the community has people looking out for their interests. We can feel free to put, other, put others before ourselves because we know that we have a community of people who are doing the same for us. I think this, as an ideal though, is, seems impossible because it's the antithesis of our society's expectation that every individual and family is responsible for meeting their own needs. If we admit that we have needs that we can't fill on our own, it can feel like admitting failure. There are these implied divisions between the successful and the unsuccessful, those who give charity and those who take charity, those who can offer help to others, and those of us who need all the help we can get. As Jesus washes his disciples' feet, he exposes those sorts of distinctions as nonsense. Every person needs different sorts of help at different points in their lives, and every person has the capacity to serve their neighbors. No one is immune to needing others, and no one is excused from the expectation that they will serve others in their need. The Philippians text that we read today wasn't suggested by the, um, by the book that we're following, whose name I cannot remember at this time. Let the children come to me. Okay, <laughs> um, but I love this text and I kind of tend to want to read it anytime I can justify it, um, but I also think it fits really well here. Um, I particularly love the image of Jesus in the second half of the text presented as an example to follow. Um, it says that Jesus being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing or emptied himself by taking on the very nature of a servant. I love that this image begins with Jesus's worthiness. It begins with his choice to become a servant. I think this points us to a humility that's rooted not in a sense of our own unworthiness or shame or any negative things of that nature, but in the choice to recognize that each person, ourselves included, have equal and inestimable value. Serving one another is not just an expression of humility for its own sake. It's a recognition that each of us does have needs and that we all have a part to play in making sure that the needs of each person are met. Um, I did not, um, when writing this, I did not reflect a lot or really at all um, in my, what I said about um, where this fits in with Anabaptist culture. Um, I was not raised Anabaptist and I think a lot of my efforts to kind of work that in either sound like inappropriate outsider criticism or sucking up. Um, <laughs> It just it was it wasn't it wasn't going. Um, so I would love to hear um, some of your experiences. Um, what as from Anabaptist from Anabaptist identity and self understanding, like what servant being a servant means in that context. 
Um, you can tell me why I'm wrong about foot washing, that's fine too. Um, but yeah, I just would, that would be, um, I hope we can share some of that in, um, in response time, which will be coming up probably after a song, right, Lori? Thanks, all.